The Warriors absolutely steamroll the Dallas Mavericks in Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals. Steph looked like Steph. Lucas holding his shoulder. And the all-rookie teams are announced in the NBA. Lots to talk about on Locked on NBA today. You are Locked on NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On NBA podcast where we share the latest and greatest news from around the association. I'm Tony East, the host of Locked On Pacers, filling in for the normally amazing Wednesday host of Nick Angstad of Locked On Mavs. But he is, of course, in Golden State to cover Mavs Warriors Game 1. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. Warriors destroy the Dallas Mavericks in Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals. Steph has moments of brilliance. Lucas looks a little injured. The Mavs don't look very good. And all rookie teams come out in the NBA today. So a jam-packed show today with news, and games, and analysis. And, of course, it's Wednesday. He's here to help me break it all down. Pat, the designer from Lockdown Bulls. Pat, how you doing, sir? I'm doing a lot better than the Mavericks. Am I doing better than the Mavericks? I'm not in the <laughs> Eastern Conference Finals. So maybe I'm not doing better than the Mavericks. But still, tough night. <laughs> Yeah, the very tough night. One twelve eighty seven final score. And that doesn't even really do it justice to me, which is unfair. But this was one of those Warriors games. You know, they've done this for, for five, six years now. So it's not new or surprising. Longer than that. Seven, yeah, eight years decade now. Decade plus almost. But they, <laughs> they just have these moments of runs where they just look unstoppable. And that's yeah. how they started the third quarter. Dwight Powell scored at the start of the third quarter. And then the Warriors scored the next ten points. And it was a close game at halftime. Mads were down like nine or eight. And then to start the fourth quarter, same story. 10-0 run from the Warriors. Steph Curry was awesome at the start of the third quarter. Klay Thompson was the guy at the start of the fourth quarter. So, yeah, the Warriors were ahead at halftime and, and played better in the first half. But, you know, when Steph was hitting shots the way he was in that third quarter run and Klay was hitting tough shots all night, like the Warriors were that team that can just put points up in a, in a hurry and the Mavs had no answers. Yeah, you felt – I felt concerned the entire game. Now, now that I'm working with Nick, right, I've got a little bit of love. I'm like, oh, just don't, just don't give him an awful night, right? Like, don't give him like <laughs> nothing to talk about here. Especially Nick, it, it's okay, but he's out. He's out in uh, Golden State right now and had to sit through that game at the stadium. But it, it was one of those right where in the first half you were watching it. Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson at one point were a combined. One for 10 from the field, and yet Andrew Wiggins' game had the Warriors up nine, and you were like, I don't feel like they're going to shoot this way the entire game. So the Mavs have to get something together because if they don't, it's going to get ugly. Guess what? It got ugly. And I think Luka's injury might play a little bit into that, but you just look at how these guys – started uh, uh, the game off right like just just weren't able to finish some of the shots that we've seen them finish consistently weren't able to to uh 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 really get that three ball going early in the game. I mean, Luca kind of had it going a little bit, but they only end up shooting 23% from the field from three in this game, 11 for 48, really couldn't find that shot form. Weren't able to attack inside. And I mean, it, it, it really spelled the, the down struggles of the Mavs this entire game. Yeah. Your point about Wiggins, I don't know if he, if I would say he ended up as the best player on the Warriors in this game, although he did have the best plus mindset plus 28, but at halftime, and even in parts of the third quarter, I put in my notes that, like, if you're clicking and, go, and, and Andrew Wiggins is being your best player, like, yeah. they, they're going to win a lot of games. Like, he looked really good scoring and on defense, and you just brought up the Mavs poor shooting. I think that, you know, the Jazz had a really good regular season defense but have their playoff issues, obviously, and the Suns 
are a really good like on ball defensive team. But the the Warriors have a system and are really good at helping and just they've played together for so long that their defense in the playoffs especially is kind of new. Like it's a new thing the Mavs have to adjust to yeah. in the series. And I think that was pretty apparent in this game. And you know, I think they'll definitely be better going forward. And we'll talk about adjustments in the second segment here. But Wiggins was a big part of that. All these forwards on Golden State were a big part of that. Like just making life really hard on – not like Luka, they made his life obviously a little difficult. But the non-Luka guys, the, the Warriors did a great job of not giving them a ton of space to attack crevices or, or be – the best version themselves that made it hard for him to, them to hit threes. That made it hard for them to get in the lane. And that sort of defense from the Warriors, you know, obviously their offense was was good, but that sort of Warrior defense that held them to eighty seven points was really the thing that got Golden State this win. Yeah, and and here's when Golden State's at their scariest, right? Like everybody thinks like, oh, Stephen Curry can kill you from three. Klay Thompson, if he gets hot, he can kill you from three. That's not the scary Warriors team to me. This is the scary Warriors team to me. Let me let me run through this real quick for you. Kevon Looney, 10 points, five rebounds. Stephen Curry, 21 points, 12 rebounds. Klay Thompson, 15 and five. Uh uh, uh um Draymond Green, 10 and 9. Andrew Wiggins, 19 and 5. Jordan Poole, 19 and 2. Otto Porter, 10 and 6. The great Otto Porter, the former Chicago Bull. It's amazing how he can play so many games in a row now. I, I don't get it. But that's when this Warriors team is most dangerous, right? When everyone's contributing, not the max, not I'm giving you 25, 30 points a game, but when everybody's giving you 10 plus points, I mean, they're going. 9-10 deep here in the Western Conference Finals. That's not something that you normally see. And so you got to give them credit on that. And then, I mean, you see the flip side of it on the Mavericks side, right? The guys that you expected to play well. I mean, Jalen Brunson really didn't have a great game, 14-4. and Definitely not the game when you're seeing him having the playoffs. But Spencer Dinwiddie gave you what you kind of wanted Spencer Dinwiddie to give you. You just didn't see those other guys, the Dwight Powells, the Finney Smiths, the guys that we've seen earlier in this uh, in, in previous series step up. You didn't see them step up tonight. Cleaver even. Yeah, that's going to be big for the Mavs in future games is how can they get those guys rolling? Like Dinwiddie hitting three of his seven threes made him look great, but you know Kleba couldn't get it going. Brunson couldn't get it going. Finney Smith won for three. Reggie Bullock even took 10 threes and only made three of them. That's not bad. They'll live with him hitting three. But taking 10's a lot, even if there's a reason he's being left open to take 10, right? So that those role guys have to be a little better. And here's the thing. I think you and I talked after the first game of the last round where the Mavs lost to the Suns. And, you know, we were talking like, wow, the Suns did a really good job slowing down these role players. And yeah. they're up 1-0. They looked awesome. Like, oh, man, it's going to be easy for them to roll the rest of the series. And the Mavs have figured this out before. So I think they can – figure out how to maximize those guys and get them in, in different situations. And in fact, as we talk about adjustments later, the Mavs have lost every game one they've played this postseason. Like, I don't think they're panicking or anything. No. It's just this is something that's happened to them early in series is, you know, it's been tr- it's, it's been harder for them to have the right game plan to get those role guys off on the right foot. And and Brunson specifically to me, you know, didn't when he had a good game. But, you know, if they can't get secondary creation against this Warriors team that's on a good string defensively and, you know, has been not all their guys, but most of their guys have been playing together for a while. It's really hard for your secondary guys to have that impact. And, you know, six of 16 obviously is a killer for for Brunson. You know, more shots than points is never a good night, but only four assists, right? They would have liked to see him if Luca can't carry the playmaking load because he also only had four assists. They need someone to set guys up, and neither yeah. of them could do it against any cracks, if there were even were any, in the Warrior defense. And it, it, the weird thing is, right, it, it's not that they weren't trying. Right. It tonight was missed shots. Tonight was poor shooting tonight. And, and the Warrior defense. You got to give credit to it, right? Like <coughs> well, I think we've all seen the highlight at this point, right? Where 
somebody calls Stephen Curry a two-way player uh, in the in the audience, right? He gets all excited. Stephen Curry looked like a two-way player tonight. There were plays in uh, – who was it on? It was on uh, Finney Smith, I believe, where Draymond Green gets the block going over to the half. Everybody's – you know, Draymond's at hype going on into the half because he gets the block. But who's right there making the shot tough for him? Stephen Curry closing out, hand in the face. You've got guys, right, that understand what they have to do in this game. Understand – I've said that the, the Warriors are in blood in the water mode right now, right? Like – They've been here before. They've swam these waters before. Dallas is the new fish on the block that's like, ah, oh, these waters seem warm. It's nice over here. Nice tropical area. Oh, what's that? What's that? What's that? What's that shark coming here so quickly for? You know what I'm saying? They've done this before. They understand what it's going to take. And I, not to say that I think Dallas isn't going to be able to adjust. Like you said, they, they've lost every game one of this series and have been able to bounce back. But I think the, the difference here is they've lost every game one of this series versus teams that haven't killed people in these situations like the Warriors haven't. So I don't think it's going to be a blowout every night like this, but I do think that this was probably your best game to take in Golden State. It's going to be interesting moving forward for sure. Yeah, the Warriors never lose game ones, right? So it's, it's always tough to – like. I, I think in the Steve Kerr era, I might have get this stat wrong. I only read it today. I think they're like twenty six and two in game ones under Steve Kerr, which is surprised. Insane. <laughs> yeah, like they they just are ready to go for these series. And you mentioned their balance earlier. I think that's something that will that makes me pretty confident in Golden State being a little different than some of these other teams. Not because I think the balance can continue, because a team like the Suns that moves the ball really well, you know, that kind of got cut off when the Mavs figured out their angles. I think that the the Warriors, unlike the Suns, are a little better equipped to like let Steph and Clay kind of cook a little more, like give those guys the ball. More off. They don't want to do that. You know, they have a winning formula now. But I, I trust those two guys in this situation, even though Steph's shot's been a little worse this year. Clay's obviously recovering. And even Wiggins at times they could give the ball to in this situation. But those guys just seem more deadly as like a, you know, in their element kind of dudes in this series that if they have to go away from balance and have those guys cook a little more, I think that'll be better. The last thing we got to talk about here, yeah, Luca holding his shoulder in the second quarter. I think it's the first time that was noticed. You know, you hate injuries being the story in the playoffs. It is every year. You know, not to take anything away from any single team, but you know, I, you have to wonder. I don't think we have any quotes about this yet, as of the time we're recording, how he's feeling. But you know, when he shoots six for eighteen, looks off on the assists, seven turnovers. If that was sort of bothering him in this game, yeah, I, it's it's going to be interesting to see how that affects the series. Also had the had the uh, Kylo Ren scar for any Star Wars fans out there going across the face. Um, I. I don't know what's going on with that, right? Like, I didn't see anything on that as well. But, um, yeah, I, if Luca is hurt in any way and just can't be himself, it's going to be an uphill battle. Jalen Brunson's got to step up. We Apparently, Luca is speaking right now uh, and just said, I felt a little pain, but it's fine on his shoulder. So, hopefully, he can be able to push on as the Mavs look to adjust and bounce back in game two. They did win game two against the Utah Jazz. They did not win game two against the Suns. So we'll see. Let's talk about some of the adjustments that we might see in game two because the Mavs certainly need to make a bunch and the Warriors have options to make a bunch too. They've been a good adjusting team throughout their dynasty era. Before we do that though, we got to tell everybody about two awesome groups of people. And the first one is the good people over at Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. 
On average, people save up to $720 per year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them so you can cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to do it. Don't fall for subscription scams anymore. Use Truebill, who has over 2 million users and has helped them save over $100 million. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA could save you thousands of dollars a year. Why would you not want that? Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Let's also talk about Built Bar. As we do so much on the Lockdown Podcast Network, we're making the best tasting protein bars out there. As Nate Duncan, one of our old hosts, used to say, they make protein bars that don't taste like the inside of a sawmill, right? The ones you buy in the store are <laughs> disgusting. They do not have a good flavor. They do not have a good texture. Built Bar has both. They're 100% covered in chocolate, soft, easy to chew, delicious protein bars. And they have so many awesome flavors. They have a mixed package with their 12 most popular flavors. They also have a new right now out brownie batter puffs flavor. If you love brownies, it's going to be perfect for you. Got some marshmallow infusion there. With 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 7 grams of sugar. It is delicious and pretty healthy. They've got the macros for all their flavors right on their website if you want to check them out. But that's what makes them so great. They're healthy and delicious. Good meal replacement, good snack. However you eat it, it's going to be great. And you can go to Built.com to try them yourself. Use the promo code LOCKED15. When you check out, you'll get 15% off your order. That promo code, again, is LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Thank you, everybody, for making Locked On NBA your first listen today and every single day for your second listen. Locked On NBA Big Board is the way to go. The lottery is over, but they're still breaking down draft prospects, doing the mocks, interviewing the players. It's sick. They're traveling around the, the country at these workouts to get a handle on these prospects. They've got it down for you over at Locked On NBA Big Board. Adjustments, adjustments, adjustments. That's the name of the game. I think it's fascinating that of these four teams left, Jason Kidd's defensive adjustments were huge for the Mavs beating the Suns. Steve Kerr has been a brilliant adjuster his whole career, and Mike Brown even made some key adjustments for the Warriors last series. Over in the East, Emei Udoka's looked like a good, you know, he's a first-year coach, but looks like a good adjuster so far, especially defensively for the Celtics, and Eric Spolster might be the best tactician in the NBA. Right, the Coaching in the playoffs becomes more important, adjustments become more important, and I think we're going to see that in this series between Kerr and Kidd, who are both ex-players and brilliant coaches. So right off the top, Pat, what do you think in the biggest adjustment? Let's start with Dallas because they lost. What do you think the biggest thing they can do besides hope Luca feels better in his shoulder? What do you think the biggest adjustment they can make is to be better in game two? Uh, I think just trying to find a way to knock down your shots that's not just the three ball, right? They have to find a different way to attack to me. Uh, attacking at the bucket, right? Like the, the three ball clearly was not falling for them tonight, but it was a shot that they kept going to and I feel like versus Golden State right of course we know that that's the kind of game they play but 48 three-pointers for the Dallas Mavericks in this game and you knocked down 11 of them I thought I was watching the Chicago Bulls out there for those Bulls fans that watch the show you know what I'm talking about like it, it's you can't shoot that amount of threes and feel like you're going to uh have success not to say that Golden State didn't do a lot of things well I think Kevon Looney and Draymond Green did a great job of really clamping them up in the paint around the basket and stuff like that, right? The guys that we saw be effective in the in this series before really couldn't find their way. Dwight Powell only played 14 minutes in this game. Maxi Kleba, 18 minutes, right? Like, you weren't able to go with the size that you had in the last series and feel good about that. And Kleba only took four shots in this game. So I, I feel like the, the difference in from 
that Phoenix series to now is is the adjustment that they're going to make, right? Jason Kidd, like you said, has been a great adjuster. I feel like they had to feel this one out. Unfortunately, they felt a lot of the Golden State Warriors <laughs> in this one. But I feel like Jason Kidd's going to be able to make the adjustment offensively to say, hey, listen, 48 threes, heck of a lot of threes. Let's see if we can find a better shot. And on the defensive end, listen, it's the Golden State Warriors. Guys are going to make shots, but you have to make sure that the guys that do make shots are the guys that you expect to make shots. Andrew Wiggins cannot have these nights. Jordan Poole, okay, he goes for 19. That's actually a docile night for him. Otto Porter, 10 and 6. That's an important 10 and 6 when you're down this much. Kevon Looney, 10 and 5, right? You have to find ways to slow down those role players. And I think that's going to be the biggest struggle for the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, that's something that I, I agree with. The role guys just have to be better in general. How do you figure out how to make them more impactful and you know, something I heard, Marianne Stanley's a WNBA coach, but something she once said is like, sometimes when you're getting killed, you know, the way you actually get back in the game is by punching back and fighting hard and being physical. But when you're getting killed, sometimes you just cop out to the easy way out and try to make your comeback happen as easy and as fast as possible. I, I'm paraphrasing what she said, but, you know, that is kind of how I felt like the Mavs played at times in this game. They were, they were getting smoked. And they felt like they needed to do not the easiest way out necessarily, but, you know, the path of least resistance on offense is do one action and then take the open three. And so if you look at the shots, like if you just did a raw cut of just the Mavs jumpers in this game, they would all look like good looks. Like if you cut it before you saw the shot miss, you'd go, oh, yeah, they got good shot quality. And I think they did. But it was a lot of times kind of the first shot they got. They didn't work as hard for it as they have in previous games. Not as good driving to the basket. And some of that is what we talked about earlier. Credit to the Warriors defense. But I think if they you know, get a little more into their offenses and take their time. That could help the role players get better shots, make the Warriors work harder on defense, and will get you better shot quality in general. Another focus for them to me, points in the paint. Only 32 in this game. That's still pretty good for the way they've played in the playoffs. They had 40, though, in that game, you know, for example, where they close out the Suns and just completely smoke them in yeah. Game 7. Like, getting to the basket is always helpful. Getting into the paint is always better, and they, you know, miss some some bunnies in this game. That's part of losing by a bunch, but... You know, getting into the paint, trying to finish around the basket more, even though they don't have a ton of awesome rim attackers, you know, I think that is a way that they can make the Warriors' defense work a little harder as well. 100%. 100%. I agree with you, man. On the Golden State side, it's hard to think, how do you adjust and be better when you just when you just won by 25 points at home in game one of a series? But when you look at Golden State, a team that had great balance, played great defense, what do you see as something they can do to even, you know, they'll look at this game and go, yeah, we played well, but we got to be a little better in this area. You know what? I don't even know if it's better, right? But I, I feel like you saw something tonight that really makes you unstoppable. Um, find a way to keep Andrew Wiggins involved. We've seen moments yeah. in this se- in in this season, in series, in the playoffs, where Andrew Wiggins kind of becomes the 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 guy he was in in Minnesota, right? He's he's the third option. He's the background option. He's a guy that can knock down shots. But hey, if I'm not knocking down shots, that's okay. We saw him, uh, 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 what in that closeout game versus Memphis, right? Or no, a uh, game before the closeout game, he five points on two of six shooting um in in the blowout loss right like wasn't able to get it going he's been pretty consistent about 15 16 points in his playoffs but i think if you get him to the point where he's at that 19.20 point night right this warriors team becomes unstoppable because there's just too many weapons on the floor for you if he's able to get you close to a double double every night and jordan Poole's able to continue to do what he does guess what i know what clay and steph can do i know what draymond can do uh now you're talking about – there was one point, uh, I want to say it was versus Memphis. It was versus Memphis where we were talking about uh, – it was it was the game where Clay hits the big shot to, to finish out the game. 
who are you going to give the ball to? And and we're sitting. And I was like, it doesn't matter. You can give it to Wiggins. You can give it to uh, 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 Steph. You can give it to Clay. At that point, Gary uh, pay, uh, um, Gary Payton was still in there. I was like, give it to Gary. Everybody can play. Everybody can make this shot. That's the kind of offense they got to come out with versus uh, Dallas. Yeah, I think that will be something that uh, keeping Wiggins involved will be key. Like I said earlier, like when he is playing, if, if you're playing well and he's one of your best players, like Warriors are just way better. And you know, I know it's like a meme at this point, but he was a, a war. He shouldn't have started, but he was a worthy All Star this year. Like Andrew Wiggins is a good player, despite the reputation started he's kind of that. Come on now. <laughs> the starting thing was weird, certainly, but uh, <laughs> the, the, the reputation he has, I don't think matches the player he is a lot of the time. And like he, he is good, and he was very, very good in this game. And like, keeping him involved, especially off the ball as a spacer, like eight three point attempts in this game was the second most on their whole team. It was almost one-fourth of their entire attempts. It was more than one-fourth of their entire attempts. Excuse me. Like, keeping him involved is key. And I think for Golden State, you know, as good as they played, they did definitely get some good tough shot making in this game. Not that that's bad, like making tough shots. It's a good thing in the NBA. But you don't want to rely on that forever. Like, only 24 assists on 46 made shots. Like, the Warriors are a little more ball movie than that. I think they would like to get their off-ball game working a little more in their next game. That said, I get also how when you're up by 20 in the second half, you kind of just, like I said earlier, you just settle into the easiest thing to do, and sometimes that's take two dribbles and, and take the shot in front of you. And they were drilling them in this game, so maybe if those don't go in, they work a little harder on their offense, and it'll just be a natural thing. But that's the only thing, or the most obvious thing to me at least, for Golden State is kind of just keep keep working through your offense, moving the ball around, and, and have your off-ball deadly guys. Like that's what makes Stephen Clay so good, continue to be those dudes. Yeah, absolutely, like we saw in the second half from him. Hey, we got to get into this final segment talking about a couple of our guys, man, making the all-rookie team. Shout out to them, man. You know what I'm saying? You got the six-pick, too. But uh, (laughs) it felt so good to not be in the lottery. I'm not going to lie to you. A lottery in Chicago, I was like, oh, oh, this is different. I don't have to watch it tonight. Uh, But, hey. It's all about feeling good, right? Looking good and feeling good. And here's the thing. I got to tell y'all about Sakara. You know why? Because a lot of times looking good and feeling good, you feel like, oh, I got. I, I shouldn't eat this. I shouldn't do this. It's about depriving yourself. Feeling your best shouldn't mean deprivation. Instead, choose joy and abundance. Sakara's organic, plant-rich, transformational nutri- nutrition program are designed to help Cultivate your body intelligence so you can nourish your body and experience the results you want. It's all about the results, man. Sakara is a wellness company anchored in food as medicine on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. They give you the tools you need to transform your life with their organic, ready-to-eat meal delivery program and functional wellness essentials. Here's the thing. It's nutritionally designed. They're chef Crafted breakfast, lunches, and dinners are made with powerful plant-rich ingredients, helping you boost your energy, support your digestion, and curb your sugar cravings and get your skin glowing. We're trying to look flawless out here, Tony. You know what I'm saying? It's all delivered right to your door as well, and it's ready to eat. That's what's so great about it. I'm going to tell you this right now. Go to Sakara because they're offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to Sakara.com slash LockedOn20 and enter the code LockedOn20 at checkout. That's Sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash LockedOn20 to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash LockedOn20. Go check them out. We got our all-rookie teams. 
the cool. least important thing that's voted on to me. It doesn't mean anything for contracts. It's not even that key of an award, but it's always good to know who the top 10 rookies are. And this was a loaded draft class, an absolutely loaded draft class. Being in the top 10 rookies in this class is a big deal. And the only award for the Pacers was involved. Your Bulls had Io DeSumo involved. The 10 players, the first team, Scotty Barnes, the rookie of the year, Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley, all perfect sweeps, getting all 100 first-team votes. As well as Franz Wagner, who somehow got left off a ballot completely, and Jalen Green, a surprise. We'll talk about him a lot here. And the second team was Herb Jones, Josh Giddy, Bones, Highland, Io DeSumo, and Chris Duarte from the Pacers. Duarte beating out Jonathan Kuminga for the last spot by five points, five second-place votes. How do you feel about these teams? Are you surprised anywhere? Does anything jump out of you? Because Josh Giddy despite not saying anything, seemed cryptically to be pretty surprised by some of this. Drop those laughing emojis, which means so much in 2022, right? <laughs> um, no, I, you know what? The whole podcast just talking in emojis. Like, we just say, like, <laughs> It's like that. There's a commercial out like that, right? It's just, like, all the abbreviations or That's something right. like That's that. Right. Like, IDK, my BFF. You know what I'm saying? Like... <laughs> um, I'm not surprised by most of these names. Scotty Barnes, Kate Cunningham. Cade, I will say this. Cade surprised me a little bit only because Cade didn't come on until kind of the second half of the season. I think we saw his game start to gain traction. Io DeSumo shut him down. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm saying. Um, Evan Mobley is not a surprise at all. I watched Franz Wagner absolutely dominate the Bulls every time we went down there. So I know what Franz Wagner is capable of. Shout out to him. Jalen Green, a little bit of a surprise as well. Not based on the fact that he not based on talent at all to me. I think he's he's one of the best rookies in the NBA for sure. But I do get Josh Giddy's laughing emoji a little bit, right? Like Josh Giddy really came out, was consistent all season, didn't really have the ups and downs. And I think that's kind of where you look at your all-rookie first team and you say, hey, like, it's about being this player all season, not being this player at points in the season. And I think Jalen Green had a little bit of ups and downs. I don't know if it's enough to buck him off of the first team, but I do get Giddy dropping the laughing emojis. Uh, outside of that, though, I, I love the second team as well. I think Io DeSumo's in that second team. Um, didn't do enough offensively to get first team for me from the Chicago Bulls, but when you talk about defensively, there's not a player on here that's at the guard position that Io DeSumo did not shut down at least once. Absolutely shut down Giddy at first game. Uh, Jalen Green, he shut him down. Kate Cunningham, he shut him down. You know what I'm saying? So I think he belongs on this list. I like Duarte being on there as well, man. I think he, he did a lot of good things. A lot of... A little bit of a surprise for me watching him play. I didn't expect him to come in the league and have an impact as quickly as he did. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't watch a lot of, of Bones Island. So that would be on there. I was like, okay, shout out to him. And Herb Jones, we know what Herb Jones is. Herb Jones! Yeah, Herb's a guy that, you know, if you're a fan of the Pelicans or you watched a lot of the league or really the playoffs when he was dominating on defense for the Pelicans against the Suns in round one. He's the guy I think most people have had a gripe with when they see these teams is that he should have been first team with Jalen Green going down to the second team. Giddy, I think, if he had played the whole season, would have had a really, really solid case. I mean, you know, that that dude was a triple double machine, triple double machine air quotes. I don't know if he how many he actually ended up with, but you know, for a rookie, he really filled up the stats and showed that he reads the game at a high level. The thing about Jalen Green and you know, a lot of Four awards if you really this season. Four. Okay, thank Four you. Triple double. Uh, the, the end of season run for Jalen Green, right? Post all-star break last month, whatever you want to call it. Post all-star break, 22 points per game on 48, 39, 
76 splits. Obviously finished the season with that 41-point game. In his last you know, seven or so games, yeah. he had several 30-point games. Right In his last seven games, he averaged over 29 per game. Like His close to the season was insane. He was yeah. so good. And that's why I think he got a little bit of a bump is that at the end, right before voting, like he was, he may have been the best offensive rookie for that stretch. That said, you know, I, I'm not as like up in arms as most people are about this, but I, I still probably would have had Herb Jones on the first team if I had a vote. Like, probably. defense has to matter at some point. And he was one of the not not one of the best rookie defenders in the league. One of the best, like, out of everyone on ball defenders in the league. That dude is in your face, tough as nails all the time. Like him getting in that Pelicans rotation, almost part of the reason their season turned around. He definitely has a case to move up. From second team to first team, not again. You're on one of the teams. It doesn't really matter long term. Yeah. But I think that you know, if, if anyone's going to feel slighted, obviously Giddy by the tweet probably does. But I think Herb Jones more so than than Josh Giddy should feel like he should have been on first team instead of Jalen Green. Not that Jalen Green wasn't very deserving of his spot though. Now the question is: Is Giddy laughing at uh, the selection, or is he laughing at the Thunder? Basically saying, "Yeah, you're hurt, aren't you, Josh? Go sit on the bench so we can stop winning games." Okay, see, that is what makes his rookie season so impressive. Josh Giddy was so good as a rookie that they were like, "Okay, we got, we can't play, we can't play, him. we can't play, him. we gotta get him out." Yeah, that's that's the, the Josh. The, you're hurt, aren't you? You're hurt. Go sit down. Those last three guys in the second team deserve a little bit of love here. You know, obviously Scotty, Cade, and and Mobley have gotten their due over the last couple months. Top three in rookie year for a reason. Bowens Highland was just you know ferocious score for that Nuggets team. Like very very often their second best player this season, and obviously they had a bunch of injuries, but they needed his scoring punch. He supplied it. All the time for that for that Nuggets team was a big part of the reason they were able to get the six seed despite just being Jokic and a bunch of role players. Looks like he's going to have a promising career. Uh, Io, I'll let you speak to him more specifically. He got two first-place votes, one of eight guys to get first-place votes. Really nosy defender and a much better floor general than anyone gave him credit for yeah. coming out of U of I. The local kid making it happen. I mean, what, what did you see that made him so much better than expectations? I mean, he fell the second round for Pete's sake. He's the only second rounder on these teams. I think that was a mistake on a lot of people. Oh, Herb was a second rounder. I just lied. But Herb was a second, second rounder as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that was a mistake, a mistake by a lot of people and something we've talked on, uh, talked about over on Locked On as well, that when you look at it, right, like there was a lot of teams that basically said we need top guards or we're going to go small forward or we're going to go big man here. Uh, and so Io end up falling based on the year that he went. Um, I think what people forget about Io DeSumo is there was a point in the NBA season before the before the All-Star break because I think Io is probably the player who was thrust into such a different situation right like Josh Giddy he's playing with a bunch of kids his age basically um Chris Duarte kind of in that same situation until they start shipping people out to Sacramento <laughs> um Ayo DeSumo came into a team where he was not expected to play at all. He was essentially going to be like, hey, you're you're the backup to the backup. Sit on the bench and be nice. And the injury situation thrust him not into the backup point guard role. The starting point guard role came in there, held that down, hit that rookie wall a little bit. But before that all-star break, Ayo DeSumo was not just one of the best on-ball defenders among rookies. He was the best on-ball defender in the NBA with a coverage percentage of about 90 93% covering guys when it was man-to-man defense. So that, that, that number, of course, came down as the Bulls went on and he kept starting and got more tired and things like that. But there was a point there, like, everybody remembers that second half versus Trey Young. 
They don't remember the first two and a half games of that where Io DeSumo absolutely was making Trey Young's life a nightmare. So um, I, I think that just his defense alone, kind of like how Jimmy Butler came into the league as a rookie, really made him stand out to not only the coaches on his team, but to the rest of the NBA. Because there was, like I said, everybody else on this list, Io has made look bad on a specific night. Guard-wise, yeah. I should say. He had an excellent season for sure. Well worthy, well worthy of his spot. Uh, I'll opine on Duarte. Like at the start of the year, he was top of the rookie of the year leaderboards for like the first month of the season before getting hurt and obviously falling off. He was a yeah. scoring machine at the start of the season for the Pacers. Looks like he's going to be a great three and D player for this Pacers team. Got a lot of love from Kevin Durant this season. LeBron even giving him some love after he hit a buzzer beater to send. Pacers Lakers to overtime early this season. Artie has a lot of fans just as a tough shot maker and a right up in your face kind of defensive guy. I think he's going to be a staple for the Pacers for a while. Had a nice rookie season. We got to shout out a couple guys here. Um, three specifically. Kuminga, who was the first guy off. Again, five second place votes away. It's tough. Yeah, it is tough. It it's is tough. tough. He had a good year. Uh, you know, just didn't play as much as some of these guys. You know, he played 70 games, but his minutes in those games were a little lesser and uh, his impact was a little harder to nail down because of that. Uh, Davion Mitchell, a like Io, incredibly nosy defender, was the the second guy left off, and Shen Goon with the Rockets was the third guy off. So they all had great rookie years. This is a loaded class, so all of these rookies are still going to turn out good. But I think they got it pretty close to right this year. Kaminga, you could have maybe dabbled in there for Duarte, but I think they did a good job with it, and I think that this class is going to be uh, one of the best maybe in league history. I mean, it's looking like a really solid draft. It does look like a good draft. I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a, a a class that takes shape in the NBA, and and we're gonna be talking about them for a while. I think they got a couple years till they get to that point. Um, but I mean, listen, Scotty Barnes is stepping into a ready-made situation. Cade Cunningham, like, there's nothing but opportunity in Detroit. It's a desolate wasteland. Yeah, I got smoke with Detroit. Don't worry about that. Uh, Evan Mobley, you know, coming into Cleveland. Like, they were begging for somebody to step up as the number one. It just so happened that Colin Sexton goes down, and so Darius Garland also steps up at that same time, right? And Franz Wagner, like I said, a desolate wasteland. So it, it was good to see these guys get the love. I, I think this is going to be a, a, a fun rookie class to watch for years to come, and I can't wait for the uh, – for the Bulls to trade a seventh round pick for Franz Wagner in about five years. <laughs> Let's, hope Let's hope not. <laughs> Tomorrow, Heat Celtics game two, big game for the Celtics. Can they get one done before Horford returns? Looks like Marcus Smart's going to play. And breaking that down tomorrow for you, Adam Mares on our Friday show with David Ramil. Excuse me, that is the wrong Hitos. Um, with Wes Goldberg. You won't want to miss that huge game, and they'll talk about all the latest and greatest news from around the league as well. Pat and I, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you all next week. Peace.